And we've been looking at the person and of God, his wonderful character, essence, being, nature, and his awesomeness. And if we don't do that periodically, and we don't have a little bit of that in our head stashed away, then every time we think of God or we talk about reading the Bible or prayer, whatever we do, uh, we really are not connecting. We're just looking at something and we look around and what we can see, touch and taste and smell is quite sufficient for us in our naturalness. And we're sufficient. And so we just sort of add it to our understandably to our lifestyle. Now, therefore, we looked at God's wonderful person and his wonderful presence, and God is ever-present, and everything and everyone is always in the presence of God. You can't be any place and not find his presence. He is omni-all-present, always. So there's, there's no such place anywhere, Psalm 139. There's no such place that he is not present in his awesomeness. Now, having said that, and thinking and caring and seeking to understand his presence, a way to do that that may help you a little bit is just think that you are right now in the presence of the ocean of air. This is the bottom of the ocean of air. Air, we're at the bottom of the ocean of air. And uh, we're in it. And there's nowhere that we can't go, except in a vacuum, something, that air isn't there. We're always in the presence of air. No matter where we do, what we do, how we do, we're always in the presence of air. You're always in the presence of God. That helps you. We don't think about being in the presence of air, but we are. And we can never be out of it. We're in the presence of God. Now, having said that a little bit, and God, and God in his awesome presence, I need that, and God in his omnipotence, his all-power, powerful, he's the almighty, and we share together in Genesis, Genesis, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. What did they know about God? What was their main point of their relationship? God was almighty to them. God was the almighty God, all-powerful God. And when you come to the end, end, the end, if you would, of, of Revelation, the Revelation, I should say, the end of the Bible, what is the whole point? Uh, God is almighty. He is the omnipotent, Revelation 19. He is the omnipotent, almighty God. That's what we need to know. So God, we're always in his presence, like the air. We're always in the presence of it. Now, in Psalm 33, just God, how do you go and help us understand your power? Well, in everything God does, it's to be noted in God's word, by his commands, what he does, what he doesn't do. All of these things help us. So God has to help us understand when he does things. Because to say he's all-powerful, 
that doesn't mean a, we can't do much with that. We think about it, but we can't do much with it. So now, just reminding yourself, here's the little God telling us in his word over and over again. Psalm 33, picking up please, uh, in verse 8. Psalm 133, uh, 33, 33, 33, 30. Uh, you could try 133, but I want to stay at 33 maybe. Verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen, the nations, to naught, to nothing. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The Lord, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations, and as we noted last time, blessed is the, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now sliding down to verse 17. A horse, well, I read verse 16 even. There is no king save by a multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, and upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver them out from out from death, and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So, God, you speak and you do it. And that's what we're to be, and you keep saying that over and over again as we turn the pages of history. You say it over and over again. And, and we did it over in the New Testament, Luke chapter 1 again. And just to remind yourself each time as you go and add, I hope, to each thing, Luke in chapter 1, chapter 1. And you remember Mary, we shared it together. And here's Mary been told she's going to have a baby by Elizabeth, who is six months pregnant. She's going to have John the Baptist six months earlier. So here's, here's our Lord. And verse 37. For God, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Remember the word nothing is the little word word, W-O-R-D. Nothing, word. For with God, no, no word shall be impossible, nothing. Verse 38, Mary's response. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And she said, God, you said it, to it. And that's the little word. You'll see it, as you, we mentioned. You probably already noted it. Verse 38, according to thy word, verse 38, and then you slide up verse 37, the word nothing, word nothing. Tie them together in your mind, and you have the word nothing, which is the word word. So, Mary, Mary just said, God, you said it, whatever you want uh, to do it. Now, and uh, in the process, remember, to a, well, anyway, now, so here we are looking at all of that, and God, you, 
do what you do in a most awesome way, and you don't have uh, any limitations uh, at all. You do not, everything is done according to your awesome person. And since you're perfect, everything about you is perfect. And your power is perfect, perfect power. Over, if you would, to Isaiah, Isaiah 45. And in Isaiah chapter 45, picking up in thought. Isaiah 45, you'll catch the flavor of all of this, looking at God's great creativity and creative ability. Isaiah 45, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens and the earth, and the heavens, first, second, and third, he that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it, he created it not in vain for nothing, he formed it to be inhabited, there's no other place in forever uh, that is inhabited like this, only earth. I am the Lord, and that would save a lot of money going into space. Uh, all of those things. That doesn't mean you shouldn't fly around up there if you want to, uh, but you aren't going to find anything. So, but, that's all right. I am the Lord, there is none else. Verse 19, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I said not unto the seed of Jacob, seek ye me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Now, God, you created everything, and that's an awesome thing. And when everything, and for us living in this century, uh, in the light of history, uh, we have all kinds of uh, the Hubble telescope and all of these things, in order to, uh, microscopes and telescopes, and we have them in order to develop the unseen world, the immense world, the trillions of galaxies, uh, Abraham couldn't have said that. He could have said it, but he wouldn't have known it. And uh, we can say it because we look at them and the people that try to count those things uh, make that estimate, uh, two to two billion, two trillion galaxies. I don't know how they do it, as I know, as we say. So now, here's God doing all he does. Now, let's go the other direction, chapter 44. In chapter 44, picking up in verse 24, Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things, and stretcheth out the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by itself. Wow. God, you do all of that. I do all of that. I did that. I stretched out the heavens, uh, you know, elsewhere, the span of my hand, between my thumb and my finger. I just, two trillion, two zillion, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> God said, listen, I just did that, like that. Nothing to it. Nothing to it. Now, in the light of that, keeping that in mind, going by not going the same direction, some, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42. 
And in Isaiah chapter 42, uh, you will note, please, uh, in, if you, you like, in verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens, and God says it often, so that you know that, and stretched them out, uh, he says that often, uh, that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, uh, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. God gives them life. They wouldn't have any life if God didn't give the life, and that's an awesome thing for God to give life to humans like that. And while you're in that direction, Isaiah chapter 40. So God, as we read, we're going to see that you, obviously, you, you help us understand your power uh, by what you do and what you don't do. And you do it. And, uh, and it certainly it should make an impression of us in this day and age. Now, in Isaiah chapter 40, remember the argument about God doing, and uh, John the Baptist is going to come and introduce the Lord and all of that. So when we come to uh, verse 22, uh, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, uh, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So God is forever out there, and you're in the pre- everything's in the presence of your wonderful person. And you could, the circle of the earth hangs out there. It isn't a square. It isn't a... It isn't a flat thing, it's a circle. And God, you said that in the beginning. I told you what it was, a circle. Uh, no, it's flat, we're gonna fall off the edge. Uh, no, no, it isn't flat. And you won't fall off the edge. It just won't happen. But, but you can have that, and the old maps, you ever see the old maps, you know, with the dragons and everything? <laughs> you got them, oh, real old maps that they drew, and then they say, don't go past this white. And if you're in a boat, I don't know how do you know when the point is. I mean, if you don't know longitude, latitude, I mean, what would you do? Wow. Now, so here, in Isaiah chapter 40, God help us, verse 25. To whom then will you liken me? I shall be equal, shall, shall I be equal? E- equal, saith the Lord, Holy One, who is like me? No one. And then he goes, illustrates, lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who has created all these things, the stars, the moon, the planets, that bringeth out all their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. And so there's zillions of stars, zillions of them. If there's trillions of galaxies, then there has to be zillions of stars. And so, therefore, God, you know them all. You all know all by name. And you do that. You did that. Uh-huh. That's, I'm impressed. Verse 27. Why stayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel? My way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God. Why are you saying these things, said God? Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. God is omnipotent. Therefore, verse 29, he giveth power 
to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Does God, in whose presence you are, have power to help you? Does God have power to help you? That's a question. Good question. <laughs> I need help. I need help. Does God have the power? Say, God said, listen. Okay, verse 30. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait, wait, participle, keep on waiting, the waiting ones, waiting upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Eagles, they shall run, uh, they, shall, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. Wow. God. So, God said, listen, I take care of it. Wow, that's an awesome thing, God, that you do in your wonderful providential management. You do what you do in an absolute, you have the absolute, complete, unquestioned, unrestricted, unlimited ability to do whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, in the way you want to do it, and you're able to manage the universe. Now, two things. Over to Hebrews. When God brings to us the book of Hebrews, he introduces the fact that God has sent his Son and given us his word. Hebrews chapter 1. I'll read verse 2. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He made them. Now it's going to help us some more. Who, the Lord Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. You look at the Lord and you're going to find God. Now, the expressed image of his person, and upholdeth all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sin, his sins he set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God, you uphold all things, you hold them, everything in order. Everything is in order. If, the gra- if there were gravity, the moon's gravity, the sun's gravity, all the different gravities in the right place and everything in the right distance, uh, the moon and the earth in the right distance, always the right distance. Otherwise, if it ever changed, we'd be in trouble. So everything's at the right distance all the time. Now, God, one other place. So you, made, you put all of that and then say it, and the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, did that. He did that. The word became, think of John 1, 1, 2, 3. And he made all things. God put all of that together. Over to Colossians. And in Colossians, in uh, chapter, chapter 1, Colossians in chapter 1. You will notice, I'll read verse 15, 1 and 15, a little context. Who is, the, who is the image of the invisible God? We just read that in Hebrews 1, 3. The firstborn of every creature. For by him, by him, were all things created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, and he is before all things, things, and by him all things consist. Consist, he holds everything together. Who keeps this all in order? It consists, it is held together by God. All of it. Wow. Now, having got that, so we can't read the Bible without God helping us understand his person and his power, which is awesome. Now, God, what do we know? God, you're able to do all kinds of things. Uh, you don't do any, you can do anything, anything, anytime, any place, anywhere, but you will not contradict your perfect person, your holy, heavenly, happy person. You never contradict that in all of your power. Therefore, what do we know that God will not do? God cannot sin. You and I can make mistakes and sin and, and choose to do differently, but God does not. God cannot sin in his wonderful perfection his perfection. There is no imperfection. Over, if you would please, to pick it up, Habakkuk. Just to exercise your Bible, exercise Habakkuk. You'll see an H, that's Hosea. Don't want to stop at that one. H. Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 1, remember, and uh, looking, and here's Nebuchadnezzar coming down, going to destroy Jerusalem, and here's Habakkuk up, up here looking in the days of Josiah and all of that, in the days of Jeremiah coming up. Wow, they're all there. And here's Habakkuk, and what's he think? He's concerned about how could God take such an evil nation like Nebuchadnezzar, pagan, evil, cruel nation, and, and do what he's going to do to Jerusalem. And that's the book of Habakkuk. So now, so as we're reading, we then come, we then come to chapter 1 and in verse 13. Art thou of purer eyes than to behold evil? Canst, canst, not, canst not look on iniquity? Wherefore lookest thou upon thee then? Wherefore lookest, lookest, wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and upholdeth thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than, than he? So the bad guy looks like he's winning, and the question is going to be answered. Habakkuk wants to know to God, uh, why does God do this? And then you have God, the book of Habakkuk, going to answer that. Why does God do that? Wow. And, and we have the answer. So God, you cannot, you cannot go, and you cannot go, and you will not go to sin. You will not do it. You can't do it. So therefore... Since I can count on God, I can count on God what? To do no wrong. He isn't going to do wrong. He's never going to do it wrong. No, nope, he's holy. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. And, uh, and sin, sin is acting independent of God. 
and God cannot be independent of himself because he is God. So he can't sin. He can't sin. The sinless Son of God died on the cross and became sin for us because he wasn't sin. He isn't sin. But he could take your sin and mine and his own body in the tree and pay the price, which he did. So therefore, God, we don't have to think about wrong and just think of Genesis 18, 25. You don't have to turn there. Shall not, says Abraham, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Uh, can God do wrong? Well, absolutely not. So as we're here, we're in the presence of God, the omnip- God's omnipotent in power, and God can't do any wrong. He just can't. So all the things that happen and don't happen around and about and everywhere, but God can't do any wrong. So we see all kinds of wrong, but God doesn't do wrong. And secondly, God cannot be tempted. God cannot be tempted and uh, and proven uh, in the in tempted to get to get him to be tempted and to fall. That's what the devil did in in uh, Matthew chapter four when before the Lord began his public ministry, he had to prove he didn't have to. He proved in forty days and night what is he qualified to go to the cross. Is he qualified to be the one that John the Baptist is pointing to? And for 40 days and nights, he is tempted by the devil. 40 days and nights, tempted day and night, day and night, day and night, tempted by the devil. And that's what he's done. And and in the process of that, he was tempted. And he never could, could, you can't get him. You can't get him. God is always going to say, without turning there, you know, uh, like the devil said in, Matthew 4, if, if, and that's a first class, since thou be the Son of God. And they'll say it again, because you're the Son of God. <laughs> See, because you're the Son of God, do this. See, you can jump off the tower and not get hurt. You can do it. You can do it. You don't have to sit and go without food and water, as it were, for 40 days and nights. All you can do is speak. And you'd have a, like a magic genie, a whole big feast. But you don't, no. You cannot tempt God. Oh, therefore, over to James. And in James chapter 1, easier, uses it a lot. So God, you can't sin, so therefore you can't do wrong. So that helps us. You just aren't going to do wrong. You know, I'm going to do right. That's what we know no matter how you want to do it. James chapter 1, picking up please, and I'll read it and you'll catch the flavor of it. Uh, James 1 and in verse, James 1 and in verse 3. Well, verse 2 even. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. The word temptation you're going to look at is to be put on trial, put to the proof. Tested, test, prove, take him to trial, prove him guilty of something, or test him, test him. That's the word. Therefore, I'll read verse 2 again. Brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, testings. 
Verse 3, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience, bearing up under the load. So here's talking to the believers in the James right up early on when persecution was very high. And over, if you slide over to verse 13, verse 12. Uh, now, if you want to honor God and look to God, blessed be the man that endureth temptation, test. That's why the Lord was tested 40 days and nights. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, testing, being put to the proof. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Now, having said that, that we're looking at the same word. Now we're going to slide down verse 13, three times. Let no man say when he is tempted, put to the proof, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. There's three times. God can't be tempted. He can't be tempted with evil. Uh, God cannot be tempted with evil. God cannot be God isn't going to flunk a test if you give him one. And neither test, neither tempt, the end, verse 13, neither put he test any man. God doesn't go and put you to the test for wrong. God doesn't do that. God doesn't get you to sin. We do that in our own nature, and we do that. Verse, verse 14, but every man is tempted, there's your word again, when he is drawn away, of his own lust and entice. So we do our own dirty work to kill ourselves. Uh, no one has to help us. Uh, God doesn't have to do something to test to see how bad we are. No, we're very good at doing that without any help whatsoever. And God doesn't do that. So therefore, God, uh, God, we are going to look to you because you don't sin and and, uh, and therefore, we know you can't do wrong, and you always have to do it right. And, and you aren't going to, you can't be put to the test to flunk. You're not going to do that. And, and because of who you are, and because of what you do, and how you do, and why you do everything in what you do. And therefore, uh, therefore, God, we can look to you. And what do, are we going to know? Well, we know that if we look to you, uh, you're not going to be due uh, uh, to be tested. Uh, you're going to be faithful, absolutely. And you're not going to go and you're not going to do wrong. And you're not going to go and put us to a test to make us flunk. No. The only one that does that is yourself. You make yourself flunk. You do that. You don't need any help doing that at all. So I don't do that. I'm not going to make you flunk. I want you to succeed. So I'm going to figure what, what I get depression and doubt and all the different words that come in. Those are our words, aren't they? Disappointment and discouragement. Where those words? Those, those are our words. They belong to us. God doesn't. That's God says. No, we aren't supposed to be looking to that. So God, God, we know what you cannot lie. No, you can't lie. No, over to Titus. You aren't far away. Uh, Titus in chapter 1. And you remember, God, you cannot lie. And therefore, we're reminded, verse 2, Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, 
which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. He cannot lie. He just can't do it. <laughs> he can't mislead. can't misguide. He won't do it. No. Oh, do it better, even more. Over to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. And Hebrews chapter 6, God, can we trust you? Absolutely. Verse 17. I'll read verse 16 for a little context again. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all things. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, so help, so help me God. Verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs a promise... What's it, what are you trying to show them? The immutability, remember we studied that. The immutability of his counsel, he doesn't change. And uh, confirmed it by an oath, an oath, his word, his oath and his word. And therefore, verse 18, that by two immutable, unchangeable things, his oath and his word, by which he was, it was impossible, impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, comfort, encouragement, who have fled to refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth that into the veil. And whether the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God, we have a promise. You've made a promise. You've taken an oath. God, you said I won't do it. I don't. What I'm telling you, I do. And uh, that's what I do. And it's impossible for God to lie. And therefore, we can go and trust God, without trust his word. And God says his word. And uh, in my Father's house, many mansions, abiding places. And if it were not so, I'm going there, by the way. I'm, I'll be there ahead of you. I'm going ahead to get your get place ready for you. That's what he said. I said you can't lie. You can't lie. You can't lie. Hmm. I read that this morning at the kitchen table. <laughs> That's why I know it says it. <laughs> you can't lie. No, I can't lie. Can't lie. Nope. Nope. And hope, and remember the hope. Hope, what's, that's exercise. Colossians one twenty seven says what? Are you thinking? You already know. Colossians 127. Christ in you the what? Christ in you the what's a good word? Christ in you the hope of glory. So, so but, but I, I just read that Christ is in his perfect humanity, resurrected body, is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated there, and he's seated in your heart. And so God, since you're always present everywhere, so therefore God, what kind of rope is there? Well, no rope, no rope. 
I'm there and I'm here. And that's why you have hope that you're going to be where I am. <laughs> why are you going to be where I am? Because I'm already there. Why are you going to be where I am? Because I'm here. I don't want to stay down here. It's nice. Pizza's good and everything. But I'm not interested in here. I'm interested in there. Where do you belong? There. Where I am. You know, I'm just making it. You should exercise all this. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. What's that right? You're thinking? <laughs> no cheating. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're seated where? In heavenly places in Christ to show His grace. You're already there. And peace is already there, but you aren't there. You're still here, but He's here. Put the two together. We're already there. He's there, but we're already there. But we aren't there. Here we are here, and he is there, but he's here. And we're still here, but he's here. <laughs> now God said, listen, there's no storm, hurricane, cyclone, whatever you want to call them. There's nothing going to come along to disconnect the ship floating in the sea of life here from where it's going. Did you get that? Just put, think, think. That's what I want you to do. I'm going to die and die wanting you to think. <laughs> Understand. It's critical to put pieces together so it makes it work. So that you're full of hope. And it isn't a make-believe hope. It isn't a dreaming hope. It's the real thing. It's the real thing. Boy, anyway, I gotta I keep going. Because anyway, we, we've got to get <clears throat> got to get God's power and God. You cannot lie, so I'm going to trust you. God, you can't deny yourself. No, you can't deny yourself. Nope. So therefore, over to Titus, uh, Timothy, better Second Timothy, and you would note. Second Timothy, and picking up the thought in the light of the context, picking up, if I can, chapter 2 and in verse 11. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us and say no. If, verse 13, if we believe not, we just want to fumble around with it. Yet he abideth faithful. He cannot, he cannot deny himself. The word deny, to disown, to say no, to be unwilling, to refuse. He cannot, the end of verse 13, he cannot deny himself. He can't do that. He's God. Can he be? And every part of his whole being is always active. There's no, the, every, the love of God is full of the wrath of God at the same time. Everything is all there about God. So God, can you be less than you are? No, I can't be. 
I can't. Can you deny yourself? No. Therefore, you can't do wrong, can't do right. You're going to do it right. We're going to trust your word. Uh huh. And I'm going to have a great hope, uh, encouragement. And you're not going to deny yourself. So when you come to God, and Moses did that, and others did that in their prayer, and that's why God, that's what they did. They weren't the super guys or girls. They were people that gave God credit. You cannot be other than who you are, God. You are right and just and fair. And therefore, God, whatever you are doing right now, in all of forever, is right and just and fair. That's the way it is. Because you can't be anything else, ever. No matter what, no matter who, no matter where, no matter what, you can't be anything else. You can't deny yourself. And therefore, God, what are we going to do? Your wonderful, wonderful perfection guarantees you're going to be who you are. So the more I read, the more we study, the more we think about things, the more it's just going to be. That's all. Over and God, since you can't deny yourself, and you can't die, you can't die. You can't die, you know? Can't I? Over, oh, to pick it up, the, uh, uh, to, uh, not to die. Over, oh, Romans. In the light of his resurrection, in Romans chapter 6, And you will notice, please, in Romans and chapter 6, picking up the thought in verse 9, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And if you read in the book of Acts chapter 2, he, death, death can't hold. Why? Why can't Acts chapter 2? You got that part? Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, Peter on the day of Pentecost, picking up, if I can, in verse 3. Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Whom? crucified, buried, whom God hath raised, having loosed from the pains of death, because, what's the reason? It is not possible that he should be holden of it. Why not? Because, because when Christ died on the cross, those three hours, and he literally, literally died, died, died. And, and we'll pick that up tonight, six with the with the, the Antichrist, he literally died. Otherwise, there's no sign. Uh, but in the light of that, in the light of that, he died. And he paid the price. And before, before the last, one of the last things he said was, into thy, into thy hands, what? Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. He's finished. And they bury him. He's finished. He's dead. 
Now, why can't death hold them? The wages of sin is what? The wages of sin is death. But he died and finished it. So there he is in the physical body, but there's no sin, no penalty. Death can't hold them. It has no power without sin. The wages of sin is death. Death can't hold them. Can't hold them. Would you just read in Romans 6? Death can't hold them. Can't hold you. Once they give you life, there's no way death can, like, it'd be like saying darkness. All the darkness in the world will come in and surround this light and push the light out. But it can't push the light out. It's impossible. Darkness can't push light out. Death can't push life away. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do it. No death, God. Therefore, therefore you can't die. No, I'm just not going to die. That's all. And in the process, that's why you're pretty safe. Why are you safe? Because if I'm there, and, and that's why you know all these things, you think about them, uh, it, you shall not perish, but what? John 3.16. Have what? Everlasting life. Well, if you have something that's going to last how long? Then when does it end? And then we, then we move correctly to what is life. Christ is life. Christ in you is your life, Colossians 3 and 4. Christ in you is your life. It doesn't end. God doesn't end. Christ can't die. Christ can't die. And you're related to him. You're his body. Hang on to that for the morning. You're his body. That's an awesome thing. Awesome thing. Wow. Now, God, since you can't die, so, and me, well, then that's very important so that I don't get caught up in the fear and, and uh, complications that come from death. And therefore, God, you can't save. I gotta, ooh, you can't save what? I can't go and save people that don't believe. I can't save if you don't believe. I can't do it. Because the answer what you need, all people are born dead in sin. What do they need? Life. They need life. And if you receive, if you don't receive the life I give, then you're in a state of what? A state of death. What am I going to do in the state of death? There is no life to it. All the death in the world can't make life. So I can't do anything. I can't save you. I can't say, I died for you. I made it pardoned to make you get saved, but you don't want to do it. There's nothing I can do. And we share that, all those things. That love in God's great, wonderful love, that's the best thing love can do, is send you to hell. What are you going to do? We made you forever. So what are you going to do? If you're not going to get life, you're going to be dead. What am I going to do with you? I'm going to put you with everyone else, when the, the Satan and his angels. That's why it's, that you're going to end up over there. Because that's what you did. 
nothing I can do. There's no life. You rejected Christ who died for you. He is your life. You don't have any. That's all. That's, anyway, I gotta quit. I hope you got a little bit. Thank you.